Hey, what's going on, everybody? This episode of the Golf Guide podcast is proudly presented to you by Pacific Coast Golf Guide, the number one golf course directory magazine serving golfers across the western United States with information on every single golf course in California, Oregon, Nevada, Washington, and Hawaii. Pacific Coast Golf Guide is an absolutely phenomenal resource for any golfer looking to take a trip or learn information about golf courses outside of their local area. You can pick up a Golf Guide magazine at over 1,400. That's right, 1,400 golf courses across the western United States. Uh, And if that seems like it's too much work, just check out the notes of this episode. And uh, there's going to be a link there that will let you go answer a couple questions. And after doing so, we will mail a copy directly to your home or place of business. So uh, check it out when you see it, Pacific Coast Golf Guide, or you can visit golfguide.net and check out the digital version of the magazine right there. Okay, uh, with that out of the way, a couple different things here in this episode. Uh, Boat is going to be coming back next week. He was busy this week, so I'm actually going to be riding solo this week. And uh, I actually wanted to share some additional thoughts on my experience at the Sheep Ranch uh, last month when we took a tour. The last episode we did was a Sheep Ranch preview with my buddies Brad and Mark. Uh, And I I did something that I almost never do, uh, which is re-listen to the podcast. And I realized that I forgot to really... I guess I forgot to talk. I was so busy just talking and interviewing my buddies that uh, I forgot to share some of my thoughts um, that I wanted to make sure um, you guys heard because I just fucking love the sound of my own voice. I mean, (laughs) simple as that. So um, I'm going to go ahead and do that. And then I got a couple of news items I wanted to catch up with you guys. But just in case you're listening to this episode uh, in February, March, April, you know, not this upcoming week. I'm recording this on Wednesday, January the 8th, 2020. Um, but I'm going to get the sheep ranch part of it in the first half of the podcast. And that way, uh, if you just don't need to listen to the news part uh, of the podcast, you can just turn it off halfway through. So uh, with that all being said, everybody, I hope you enjoy this episode of the Golf Guide podcast. All right. Man, it feels good to be back. It, uh, it actually has been a little while since I've actually sat down and podcasted. The last few episodes we've done, both our, you know, Bannon Dunes trip recap, as well as the, you know, first part of our Sheep Ranch uh, recap, were both recorded like early December. So I actually have not sat down to do <laughs> like a lot, you know, an up-to-date golf guide podcast, what feels like a month. And uh, surprisingly, it feels really good. So I'm very happy to be back with you guys. Um, yeah, and so right off the top, I wanted to share a couple of thoughts with you guys, uh, as I mentioned uh, in the pre-roll about the Sheep Ranch, uh, which me and uh, several buddies visited while we were up at Bannon Dunes in early December. Uh, and when I listened to that first preview, I noticed there were a couple things that I really wanted to mention uh, that I thought were really cool that I just uh, neglected to do so. So I wanted to take this opportunity uh, to share some of those things with you guys now. Um, so if you did not listen to our Bannon Dunes trip recap, where me and my friends Mark and Andy were talking about um, some of the best opening holes at Bannon Dunes, you know, each of each of the four existing opening holes at Bannon are spectacular, each in their own way. All of them are mid to short par fours um, that each are very, very unique for different reasons and are all exceptional in their own way. Um, however, that is not going to be the case at the Sheep Ranch. Um, the Sheep Ranch is going to be the first 18-hole course at Bannon Dunes that opens with a par 5. And let me, I, I don't want to mince words here, it is going to be 
fucking awesome. I mean, it is it is absolutely spectacular. It spans the entire length of the north side of the property at the Sheep Ranch. And just let me break it down for you guys. I, you're going to hit your opening tee shot kind of hitting northwest, right? Around kind of like a bigger sort of dune that's going to be on the left-hand side. But when you're teeing off on the first hole, you can really only see the fairway for the first maybe 250-ish yards of that golf hole. And then the fairway kind of disappears and it kind of drops down and to the left. So you can really only see the good chunk of fairway in front of you where you're going to be hitting your drive. But you know how on the fourth hole at Bannon Dunes, it's one of those most it's one of the most sensational moments that any golfer has when he's on property where he's been playing the first three holes, they're spectacular. They hit that tee shot on four, and then also you get to the fairway, and then you turn right and just bam. You're just blasted right in the face with just an unbelievable ocean view and this this green that just seems to be hanging on the edge of the world. Um it, it really is spectacular. I mean I I you'd be hard pressed to find, you know, a, a Bannon goer who's been there many, you know, several times like we have that would not contend that's one of the most sensational parts of the entire property. Well, guess what? Mr. Corr and Mr. Crenshaw felt like you didn't need to wait a couple holes to get such a moment at the Sheep Ranch because when you get up to about 250 yards from the tee and you get to that little crest uh, in the fairway where it starts to go a little downhill and turn left, all of a sudden you just look out and there is nothing but fairway, green, and ocean. It is spectacular. Um it, it, it seems like it's going to be a mid-length par 5. I, I think it's probably going to measure somewhere around 500 yards. So if somebody really gets after it on their drive, I think it's absolutely going to be reachable in two shots. Um, as we mentioned in the first part of our preview, you know there are no grass, or there are no sand bunkers on here, but there are some menacing um, grass bunkers, you know, <laughs> around this green complex and in the approach. So it is, it's going to be one of those things where you, there is a reachable par 5 right from the get-go, which is kind of awesome it it certainly falls in line with that sort of you know warm gentle handshake approach that so many golf architects enjoy um implementing into their designs in that you know if if you are just out there looking to make a five on the first hole um you don't necessarily have to hit spectacular golf shots to do so it's not a hole that's really going to challenge you uh and make you really work to make par um but holy shit man if you think you're going to be getting out of there and starting the day with a three or a four and you miss a little bit on that second shot I, I I just do not think it is going to be very easy at this golf course to get up and down. In fact, I think getting up and down at the Sheep Ranch is going to be more difficult um, than it is at any of the other courses at Bandadoon's Golf Resort because these grass bunkers um, are so wild. And again, I, I don't mean to repeat myself if you listen to this to our first Sheep Ranch uh, recap. My apologies for repeating this, but the way they did these bunkers um, is just so crazy in that they shaped them like they would traditional bunkers, but instead of sand, it's just tight mode fairway at the base of the bunkers with scruffy rough all along the faces and the lips. And what it essentially does, it, it allows you, it doesn't allow you to take your putter out if you miss the green because you're going to have to be putting through all this you know, scruffy shit where now you're going to have to pick wedges off tight lies, put it into the air, and somehow stop it on the putting surface. It is going to be a nightmare in the most enjoyable way possible. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I, I, you see, that was it. The, the opener at the Sheep Ranch is just going to be so friggin' spectacular, man. I, I cannot wait. Um, you know, December 2020, or I guess it'll probably be late November 2020, I will be playing it for the first time. And uh, I'm going to go ahead and guess that there's going to be dozens of people who listen to this podcast who get a chance to play it before I do next year. And I, I'm, I'm jealous. I'm envious of you because it's going to be so, such a great and fun way to start the round. Um, that. Uh, who knows? For those people that do hit two really good golf shots to start their round, 
Um, you know, starting off with the four is going to, things are going to be feeling pretty good. Uh, I, I guess the only downside is after you finish that first hole, uh, there's only two par fives left on the rest of the golf course. I believe it's a par 71 with um, only three par fives. So uh, you get one of those three right out of the way from the get-go, and then things start to get very, very interesting. Um, uh, a couple other notes I wanted to mention about the Sheep Ranch that we uh, that, that I failed to remember to include in our first Sheep Ranch preview was I, I really like how this design stretches from one side of the property to the other throughout the round it's it's not one of those things where the the front nine is in a certain portion of the golf course and the back nine is in another portion uh you know of of the property it really <laughs> i mean you're going back and forth and you're stretching to every little part of the property um west of that ravine that we talked about um like like i mentioned the first hole stretches the entire north side of the property going from basically it's heading out west but it sort of goes northwest for the first half of the hole and then directly west the second half well Holes two, three, four, five, six, then head straight south. All right, all the way down to the south, south, you know, southmost part of the Sheep Ranch property, right? So, and then, and along that way, you've got multiple greens that are hanging right on top of the cliffs. So you're basically just getting blasted with all these crazy ocean views. Meanwhile, you're traversing all the way from the northernmost to the southernmost part of the Sheep Ranch property, and then once you get down there. Um, there's you know a, a handful of holes that kind of meander back and forth east and west on that southern part of the property. It then stretches to the most inland part of the property on number 11, which is another incredible, unbelievable par 5 uh, that we had talked about that was somewhat reminiscent of the 16th hole at Bandon Trails, but uh, it, there's actually quite a, there's not nearly as much uphill uh, on the 11th hole at Sheep Ranch as there is on 16 at Bandon Trails. Really, it's just the last 150 yards uh, that are uphill on 11 at Sheep Ranch. Um, but it is spectacular, and it actually probably is the hole that feels the most like Bannon Trails um, of really any of the holes of the Sheep Ranch because, one, it's the most inland. Um, the ocean view, I, I actually can't totally recall if you can see the Pacific from that hole, but the entire right side of the hole is you know thick, wooded, you know forest, similar to what you get on trails. And then basically the green site you know, is, was on top of this kind of dune that's going to be located right directly next to the clubhouse. But the dune was so big and it was so steep around the edge that where, you know, you're playing in from that from my understanding and from what our friend Mike was telling us, they basically, you know, blasted out a corridor up this side of the dune. And so basically you can get to the green, but essentially when you're playing it, think of, you know, back in, you know, the, back in the 19th century when, you know, people working on the railroad were dynamiting out like little mountains you know, you know, parts of mountains that they put the put the railroad through, and there's just this weird, you know, little kind of canal where they'd put the tracks in, but there's these huge blown out hills on both sides that there used, you know, it used to just be one massive hill that now has a basically a little canyon to go through it. That's what this dune feels like on 11. It's just this wild blown out dune right and left on the approach up to the screen, and it is just spectacular. So also keep in mind that 11th green is going to be right next to the clubhouse. So you know. It, this golf course will come back to the clubhouse at some point during the round. Um, so for those people that are trying to just get a quick nine holes in, you know, maybe you're going out for a replay, you know, late in the afternoon, and you only have enough time to squeeze in nine-ish holes. Um, the Sheep Ranch could be a phenomenal place to do it because their loop is going to bring you right back to the clubhouse after 11. So uh, another cool aspect of that golf course in that, 
it, it does return to the clubhouse uh, at some point in mid-round. Um, so that's really cool. And then, you know, to get back to the routing part, as soon as you get in on 11, it shoots right back out, you know, to the coast again uh, on 12 and 13. And then basically you get to kind of like 14, 15 is sort of uh, a little bit more in the middle of the property. But then, you know, 16, you got a sensational par 3 right up against the ocean again that goes to that double green we spoke about. It's a green that shares the 3rd and the 16th, share a green, a 5-mile point. And then, you know, 17 climbs right up the you know, the coast again to the most northern part of the property before 18 basically takes you from, you know, close to the 18th green, or I'm sorry, close to the first green, and then takes you back into the clubhouse. So uh, pr- pretty dense uh, routing talk there now that uh, now that I'm thinking about it. So my apologies to any of you listening to this podcast that aren't just complete nerds. Uh, I if, if you don't listen anymore, I, I kind of understand, but... For those of you that like this kind of stuff like I do, <laughs> I am going to press on. Okay, the last thing I wanted to mention about this preview of the Sheep Ranch that uh, I did fail to mention, and from an architectural standpoint, I thought this was fascinating, and that is, you know, as, as we mentioned, the, the plot of land that the Sheep Ranch is built on, acreage-wise, is smaller than any of the other courses on property of Banner Dunes, and really is probably quite a bit smaller than any non-muni golf course um, that you're really going to find. And again, Corn Crenshaw were selected to do the routing of this, you know, I'm assuming first and foremost because they have such a sensational track record of working with Mike Kaiser. Um, he trusts them. He knows that what he's going to get from them is an absolutely world-class golf course that there's going to be a lot of people that play it that say, eh, that's probably my favorite course ever. I, I think you could almost say that for every single golf course that Corin Crenshaw have designed for Mike Kaiser, whether it be Sand Valley, Bannon Trails, I hear people say the Preserve at Bannon is their favorite golf course of all time. You could say the same thing for Cabot Cliffs. Uh, I mean, it, it just the list goes on. And so just the trust factor, um, I, I think probably would be the number one. But two, they were the only ones that were able to fit an 18-hole routing into the small plot of land that basically kept everything on the west side of a big ravine that runs the Sheep Ranch property. Um, and again, from conversation I had with Mike uh, at Bannon Dunes and some other people, it you know, fitting 18 holes into a plot of land this small uh, was really challenging, even for, you know, golf architecture masters like Bill Corr and Ben Crenshaw. And the technique that the Corr and Crenshaw team used to ultimately come up with the routing that's being built was really, really fascinating. And it was explained to me like this. There are a couple of pressure points um, at the Sheep Ranch where there's basically little golf epicenters where there's just tons of action going on. And you want to think of them as little pizza pies, right? Where, you know, a pizza is circular, but all the slices come and reach a point in the middle um, where they cross over. And the Sheep Ranch is built of four or five different, basically, pizza pies in that there's one little location where there's a bunch of holes funneling to, and there's green sites, and then there's T sites in that exact same place. And it really is able, by doing that, they were able to fit a lot more golf into a much smaller area. And so, for example, I was talking about the the par 5 first. When you get down there, in that one little tiny corner of the property, there are two green complexes and two sets of tees in a very, very small area, right? So you have the first and 17th greens right next to one another, as well as the second tee box and the 18th tee box. I believe those tee boxes are a shared tee box, right? So and by doing by doing this... Corin Crenshaw 
we're not only able to minimize maintenance in terms of, you know, now the maintenance team doesn't have to go to as many places to cover as many greens and tees and stuff like that, the, the type of things that do often require the most maintenance. Um, he put those all into concentrated areas to make it easier on the maintenance team, but also by sharing these greens and sharing the tee boxes, you're using less acreage and, you know, the course just has to be much less spread out that way, and that saves acreage, which in turn then allows them to build a golf course of this size on this small of a parcel of property. Really unbelievably genius. The same thing could be said for the shared green that I mentioned on 3 and 16. You know, you then, I mean, shoot, <laughs> the tee box, the, the epic, epic tee shot from the back tees on 17, which is going to be just loony. Absolutely. And I'm not talking Kavan loony, you know, multiple NBA champion. I mean, it's going to be loony tunes. The, the, how crazy the shot is from the back tees on 17. It just, it, it seems it's a lot like that tee shot you see from Cabot Cliffs where you're basically hitting it over the edge of the world. Right, let's put it this way. The second shot at Pebble Beach, there's going to be a couple of those <laughs> at the Sheep Branch, which is one other thing that I forgot to mention. But uh, before I jump ahead of myself, again, that little sequence I told you about with the first green, the 17th green, and the multiple tee boxes in one place, there's four or five of those spots throughout the golf course where, you know, you're going to be putting and you're going to be looking around and there might be four other groups within 50 yards of you and they could all be on different holes. I mean, it, it really is crazy. I, I am, I'm actually really fascinated to see how golfers react and, and how my buddies on the trip that I go with um, react to it because it really is unlike anything else you see at Bannon where there is just so much more space in between holes and the, the feeling of privacy um, and, and seclusion that you get on so many of the other Bannon courses um, that's not going to be the case at Sheep Ranch, and I'm not really sure that's a bad thing. Um, I, I think it could be really, really interesting to have that much action going on out in the open. Uh, I, I'm sorry. One other thing I noticed when I was re-listening to that last podcast, I think I said that the Sheep Ranch is wild and open like 20 times, so my apologies. Um, but that is to say, the golf course is wide open, <laughs> and it's really, really cool, and, uh, by doing this whole pizza pie, you know, I guess element into the routing, you know, combined with how open the golf course is, it's going to be really, really fun um, to be that engaged uh, with so many other golfers um, during the course of your round. So I thought that was really cool. And then the last thing I wanted to mention about the Sheep Ranch is, is just the amount of epic golf shots um, that you're going to be hitting on this golf course is outrageous. I mean, it really... It, it, the, the most epic golf shot on property at Bannon Dunes, There, there's going to be a legitimate argument that the four or five most epic single shots are all at the Sheep Ranch. Um, whether they be tee shots, whether they, you know, the tee shots at, oh shit, I hope I remember these correctly, the tee shots at like five or six, 17, the par three at 16. I mean, they're just... If you like the tee shot on 4 at Pacific or you like 11 at Pacific or 13 at Pacific or 16 at Bannon Dunes, all those shots are at the Sheep Ranch, but they're even gnarlier and even more wild. I mean, it, if you're the type of person that judges golf courses on how wild and fun and interesting and unique um, some of the best shots were on the golf course, then I could very well see you um, thinking that the Sheep Ranch is the best golf course at the Bannon Dunes Golf Resort. I... I will say this, and I did mention this in the last podcast, that I I think it's going to be really challenging for Sheep Ranch to supplant, you know, Pacific 
especially. But really, I, I don't know if it's going to pass any of the other courses of Bandon Dunes in terms of my personal preferences um, after the first time I play it because I do think that ocean views aside, it, the piece of land itself just doesn't have as much undulation and as much, you know, they, they just don't have as much to work with that they do with the other courses. I mean, if you go to Pacific Dunes, I mean, those, just the dunes alone that that golf course is playing through, it's one of the most majestic and magical places you could ever play golf. And that sort of elevation change and just unique features of the landscape doesn't really exist at the Sheep Ranch. But I think that the just nonstop panoramic views of the Pacific Ocean and all the other people that are playing the golf course, I think is actually going to give it a really cool, very high-end, you know, municipal version of Pebble Beach kind of feel to it, if that if that makes any sense. Um, it just, it, yeah, I don't know if I could put it any better than that. It's going to be like, you know, a really well taken care of, perfectly manicured, kind of municipally in that there's lots of groups out there that you can see and interact with at any given time. But it's kind of Pebble Beach because that's how great the views are and that's the kind of, you know, upscale golf experience you get when you go to a place like Bandon. So, um Sheep Ranch, it's going to be awesome, everybody. I, I cannot wait to give it a, you know, to, to give it a go next year. Uh, it's going to be absolutely spectacular. Thank you again to uh, Michael up at Bandon Dunes for giving us a tour. It was so awesome. Um, yeah, that's all I got for you guys. Um, so we're going to jump into the news portion of this broadcast right after this. Okay. It is now time to address a couple of news items uh, here that I wanted to touch on. Uh, just in case you are not nerding out and following um, all the golf news happening. I, I'm here to get you very briefly uh, caught up to date. Um, Justin Thomas wins the Century Tournament of Champions. Um, I'm not really sure anybody that's not a hardcore golf fan really cares. Uh, I, as a huge fan of golf and host of a golf podcast that is somehow listened to by thousands of people every year, um, I think I watched a total of 30 seconds. Uh, of the Century Tournament of Champions, just because I wanted to see if Kapalua looked any different. You know, from a quick little glance on TV and reading a couple articles, doesn't really seem like it played all that different. Um, honestly, the, these Hawaii tournaments, they are missing the boat so massively. Because, I mean, part of the main reason that I wasn't watching this weekend because there was NFL playoff football on. And I, I'm sorry, you know, but I'm an American. I, 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 love, I love watching football on TV. I love getting together with my friends and watching football, drinking beers and do whatever it is that we like to do uh, in, you know, as part of our recreational weekends. But, um, dude, these Hawaii tournaments, there's no tournaments you know, on the golfing calendar before them, and there's a little bit of a break afterwards. And this is the time of year where you know, th- there's not as much going on in the world, world of sports as you know, there might otherwise be. Why don't they just figure it out and play these golf tournaments Monday through Thursday? And I mean, since they're in Hawaii, it's on in prime time. But instead of doing primetime Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, in which Thursday and, you know, Thursday, yeah, many people are watching. Uh, but then Friday, it, it's Friday night. People don't really want to be sitting on their couch. Well, I shouldn't say that. There's probably plenty of, of us that like to sit on our couch on Friday. But there's a lot of people that like to go out and interact, be social with other humans on Friday nights. They don't want to be sitting around watching golf. And then Saturday and Sunday, that's the weekend, man. And it's not only just the weekend. It's the NFL playoffs, man. Like, who in their right mind, what commissioner of what sport thinks they're going to have their sporting event on 
going up against NFL playoffs and do anything other than horrible. <laughs> it just makes absolutely no sense. And it's such a missed opportunity for the PGA Tour to take, you know, primetime sports in the middle of winter where there's people on the you know Midwest and the East Coast just jonesing for some sunlight and for some golf. And you know what? Why do we put some the best golfers in the world on in prime time Monday through Thursday? And it just seems like such a missed opportunity. You could do that for both um, the Century Tournament of Champions and then the tournament that's going to be taking place at Wiley this weekend. And I'll tell you what, if that was on last night on a Tuesday night, you could bet your ass I'd be watching that. I, I wouldn't have been re-watching old episodes of Parks and Recreation, which, granted, great show. But, I mean, I, I'd be watching I'd be watching the golf tournament. But um, the PGA Tour has notoriously been excellent at getting in its own way uh, and really refusing to think outside the box and change anything in terms of schedules uh, in varying any way from a Thursday through Sunday format. So uh, I anticipate that will never be the case. But you heard it here that a, a Monday through Thursday you know, tournament in Hawaii in January, that is a winning idea. That, that, that is an idea that benefits everybody. Um, not sure why nobody's talking about it and why nobody would want to do it and why it hasn't at least been brought up as a potential alternative. So, okay, rant over. Um, second, uh, United States, you know, our, our, our commander-in-chief hasn't really been up to a whole lot lately besides uh, assassinating a Iranian... Um, general, I, I guess. Uh, I try not to bring up pod, you know politics on this podcast too much, um, but that's been going on. I guess Iran retaliated. Uh, there is, I think, safe to say there is unrest in the Middle East, and as of this moment, um, none of the top players in the world have withdrawn from uh the tournaments they have committed to in the Middle East here in the upcoming months. Brooks Kepka. Bryson DeChambeau, Dustin Johnson, Phil Mickelson, Patrick Reed. Um, they, they are all still committed, and nobody, no, none of those guys have decommitted from appearing at the Saudi Invitational, which um, even before all this stuff was going on, uh, it was pretty questionable given all the human rights violations that the government and Crown Prince of uh, Saudi Arabia have uh, <laughs> been involved with over the last decade plus. But... Now with all this going on, you got to imagine that some of these guys may end up not going, but um, those those six-figure guaranteed appearance fees are tough to pass up. But I guess when you already have millions of dollars, is another three hundred thousand bucks worth possibly dying? I I don't know. So that is certainly something to monitor. Just wanted to put that guys on your radar. Um, second, this is where I get to be the shitty old guy, even though I'm thirty-one years old. Um, Apparently, Bryson DeChambeau is on Twitch. Uh, I do know that Twitch is a streaming service where people broadcast videos of them playing video games. And uh, when I first learned about this a couple years ago and found out that, that there was a market for that and that there are millions of people that enjoy watching other people play video games, uh, I was confused and confounded and came to the realization right then and there that I'm fucking old. Uh, even though I don't feel old, I I just I guess I'm old. So uh, if you enjoy watching people play video games and you enjoy professional golf, uh, I, I suggest you go check out Bryson DeChambeau's Twitch channel. That that seems like some uh, engaging uh, media. <laughs> uh, okay, second to last thing here. 
it appears that Top Golf is targeting a initial public offering in 2020. Um, Top Golf, one of the few businesses in the world of golf that has been growing exponentially, that has been enjoying a lot of success with new golfers, people that are being introduced to the game. Uh, I don't have the figure in front of me as to exactly how many Top Golf facilities there are throughout the United States, but um, they've been speaking with a bunch of different banks, including J.P. Morgan Chase, Morgan Stanley, all these other guys. Um, trying to prepare themselves for an IPO in 2020. They have a little over a half billion dollars in outstanding debt, uh, but they are targeting a $4 billion valuation uh, at their IPO. So uh, for all of you golfers out there that enjoy uh, you know, investments and, and do like that kind of stuff, I cannot tell you if uh, buying stock in Topgolf is going to be good or bad. I, I, I literally have no idea. Um, but if that's something that you believe in, you may have an opportunity to become a shareholder in Top Golf, which is exciting, I guess. And uh, the last thing that I wanted to talk to all of you guys about is supporting this podcast. Yes. Actually, the last thing I was going to talk about was the spat between Jeff Shackelford and Barstool Sports's foreplay pod. I actually had a little segment uh, just recorded that I'm actually recording over right now that uh, I've decided to hold off and wait until we get Boat on the podcast next week because I know it's something that he wants to talk about at length. Uh, so I'm going to wait and do that. But uh, before we bring the podcast to a wrap, I just wanted to thank all of you guys for, s- I, again, I, I'm not sure why you listen, but I really appreciate the fact that you do. Uh, and if you want to support this podcast, um, the best way that you can do so is to leave us a rating or a review on iTunes. Um, yeah, really, really helpful when you guys can do that sort of stuff and, uh, it's much appreciated. So, uh, with that all being said, thank you everybody for listening. I really appreciate you. Uh, I hope that 2020 brings a lot, a lot of good golf, uh, into your guys' lives. I, 2019, you know, not to, not to be a dickhead, but 2019 was awesome. I, I, I was so fortunate to play so much great golf with so many awesome people that, uh, I, if 2020 is even half as good, I, I'm in for a hell of a year, and I hope the uh, the same applies to each and every one of you guys. So with that all being said, have a wonderful week, everybody. If you like to watch golf, uh, good tournament on at Wailai, uh, Seth Rayner Design Golf Course on the Hawaiian Islands this weekend. Um, and, you know, a lot of good weather the last couple weeks in Northern California. Got out to play a little bit. Uh, looks like it's not going to be the case for the next couple weeks, but who knows? Mother Nature, uh, you know, she's, she, she, she's unpredictable. Let's put it that way. So with that, everybody, have a great week. Have a great weekend. We'll be back next week. And until then, adios. Adios.